The reading tonight is from Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 to 8, and then 27 to 31. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out, and I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Thank you, Anne, very much indeed. We're looking at some of the passages in the Old Testament that are particular expressions of hope. And here we have some most amazing words from Isaiah chapter 40. So we're looking at hope through Isaiah's message. And really, as we look at that, we will find something about the glory of God, something about the word of God, and something about the blessing of God in these words. And I think we'll need to come back to Isaiah, because Isaiah just oozes hope. And you can't possibly uh, express that sufficiently in one service or one sermon. But looking tonight at these words in Isaiah 40 beginning and the end of the chapter, verses 1 to 8 were at the beginning, and then we jumped to 27 to 31 at the end. And I'd like to focus particularly on the glory of the Lord, which will be revealed, that's verse 5. The glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all people will see it together. And then the word of our God, which endures forever, that's in verse 8. Grass withers, flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. And then that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Verse 31 at the end of the chapter. So these are quite extraordinary promises. And this is where Isaiah just rises with immense hope. Tonight it's in the heart of God that his glory might be revealed and that we might renew our strength in him. 
And that's fantastic news. It's what God is doing among us that counts this evening. He will be manifest, his unconditional love, his forgiving grace, his healing power, his sovereign purpose, that God will be made known here and now, that the glory of God will be revealed here as we listen and as we respond tonight. That the word of God will be heard. Not my words, but the word of God will be heard. And that however you're feeling, whatever your circumstances, as you hope in the Lord tonight, your strength and my strength will be renewed. Just a little bit of background, first of all, as to where these words come. They come spoken by the prophet of Isaiah towards the end of the exile, a period of time that was seen by some in the uh, life of the nation Israel as punishment for the waywardness of the Israelite nation. And the way in which we come into these words, we start with uh, what we often hear at Christmas time: Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. It's possible that their God is saying to the angels, give this message of comfort to my people. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. That's a way of talking about the nation, although the city itself had been destroyed at this time. But the nation, as they were in exile, speak tenderly to them, God was saying to the angels. Give this message of comfort. And so that angels, having heard that from the Lord, then uh, drew, as it were, inspiration into the voice of Isaiah the prophet, the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And that leads us on to verse 5. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. And so there is within this message the promise of a way back to Jerusalem. That's the historic promise that is here. That in other words, there will be a highway opened for the people to return to the place from which they were taken in exile. A way of the Lord... The glory of the Lord will be revealed and there will be a way back. But the greater promise is that there is a way back to God himself. That God is not to be thought of as a tired deity whose glory days are past, way back in the time of the Exodus, crossing the Red Sea, uh, the manna in the wilderness, the conquering of, uh, of uh, Canaan and uh, all the signs and wonders that happened under some of the prophets of previous generations. God is not to be thought of as a tired deity who's run out of steam because of all these things that happened before, but rather one whose best days are yet to come. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. There's a highway that's opening for our God. And that glory was revealed very specifically in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, in the wilderness, in the temple, in Jerusalem. And Ezekiel chapter 10 gives a very clear message that there was a point of history where in the nation Israel, the glory of the Lord departed from them. The glory of the Lord was no longer there. But now, says Isaiah, the glory of the Lord will be revealed again. So the promise here is of the new revelation of God's glory, which was not just for one nation, but it was for the whole world. And John the Baptist, of course, takes up these words. And so he says, prepare a way for the Lord. Make a path straight for our God. That's what he said in Matthew chapter 3, and verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. The Gospel of John makes it very wonderfully clear 
that the glory of the Lord has been revealed supremely in Jesus. And so these words were looking forward to the glory of the Lord, revealed in the return of exile, in the rebuilding of Jerusalem, in the restoring of the temple, the rediscovery of the scriptures, but most of all, in the revelation of Jesus as the Son of God. That was the background as to what was being said in these words. But let's pick out those very amazing promises of hope. The first, the glory of the Lord, will be revealed to us tonight. What's this all about? When we come out of Isaiah's time into our time, what is the glory of God? I think it's something like this. The glory of God is the beauty that flows from his character and the power that comes through his spirit. It's not an external beauty or a material beauty. It's the beauty of holiness, of purity and of love. It's the expression of all that is the best in the nature of God. Seen in creation, seen in the scriptures, seen in Jesus. But revealed to human beings of every generation. And we all need to see, discover, and sense the glory of God. Our faith can't be based on what other people have known about God. It's what we know about God and how God reveals his glory to us. Isaiah 43, 7 says that we were created to bring glory to God. But we can only give glory to him when we appreciate the glory that he's first shown to us in his name and his being. And the heart of idolatry is where we exchange the glory of God for the glory of human beings. So we put any person or object or enterprise as more important than God himself. And we live for these people or we live for these goals or we live for these things instead of living for God. That's idolatry. But when God takes that place and when we see his glory revealed, then life takes on a whole different dimension. It grieves the heart of God when we let anything else take the place that belongs to him because there's something unique and precious about the glory of God. So first of all tonight, as we think about the glory of God being revealed, we've got to say, Lord, show me your glory. And that's what Moses prayed in Exodus 33, 18. That if the glory of the Lord is to be revealed, then we've got to say, Lord, show me. Let me tonight see something of your glory. Not just words that come out of a book. The glory of God today. And if that's going to happen, it seems to me that there are a number of conditions that apply. We need to have a focus on the Lord himself. Even worship can be a very distracting event, can't it? Dare I mention the temperature of the room? It's just slightly chilly tonight. The dress code of whoever's at the front, the quality of the sound, the behavior of the congregation, all these things kind of get in the way sometimes of what actually needs to happen, which is that you and I see and sense the glory of God among his people. There needs to be a turning away of other priorities, things that may be the focus of glory 
special objects, people or ambitions, as I said before. And for some, there is the challenge to let go of those all-consuming passions, those things that just overwhelm us and become so big to us. But we need to let go of them in order to focus on God, who is Lord of all. So what matters most to me in this moment, I wonder? Is it that tonight's service goes well? That it finishes on time? That I remember everything to be included? That the congregation feel welcomed? That the atmosphere is good? None of those things are really important. What matters is that the glory of God is revealed among us. There needs to be a true sense of wonder at who God is today. He is our creator, redeemer, friend. Whatever the circumstances, his glory is being revealed now. There's an expectation that faith is for this moment now, not at any other time. The glory of the Lord will be revealed now, not next week, not next month, not in another place, but here, tonight. And it's a longing for spiritual excellence. Not just to add a bit of God's love to our love, a bit of divine hope to our human hope, but rather the longing that the whole of our life displays the awesome splendor of God himself when his glory is revealed. You see, this is a big thing, isn't it? The glory of God. Really capturing, sensing and living in that realm of appreciating constantly the greatness, the power, the glory of God. Do you long that the glory of God will be revealed, made known more and more in your life tonight? That, something, that the Spirit of God might touch your heart to rediscover his glory, his majesty. Hold on to that. Because it links very much to what we're coming to a little bit further on. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. This was the great promise that Isaiah offered. But then as this chapter continues, the language moves very quickly into something different about the word of God. What is the word of God? After this amazing message about the glory of the Lord being revealed, a sudden switch to talking about human beings as like grass, human faithfulness like flowers in the field, and the grass withers and the flowers fail because the breath of the Lord blows on them. What's this all about? We've just caught a vision of the glory of God and now we've got everything being blown over and passing away. Human faithfulness like the flowers of the field, people like grass. Francis and I saw some snowdrops this afternoon. An early sign of spring, isn't that nice? The exciting sense of new life. But they won't be there for long. Another couple of months and they'll be dead. Human life is short and fragile. It's like that flower that grows and then it's gone. Like the grass 
that grows and then it's cut down and it's no longer there. Psalm 103, 15 and 16 tells the same, very much the same message about the frailty of human life. Like the grass that withers, the flowers that fail. But in contrast, the word of God lasts forever. The word of God is God's eternal message. You see, at the time of writing this, there was no Bible. Yes, there were fragments of texts. There were maybe scrolls from what we call the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Bible. There may have been some earlier prophetic messages. There may be some of the book of Isaiah that was written earlier that was written down. So there were bits and pieces of script. But there was no Bible as we know it today. But the word of God was proclaimed by Isaiah as God's eternal message. God's eternal message, in contrast to the things that come and go, God always there. And as well as it being God's eternal message, it was God's creative energy. Psalm 33, God spoke and it came to be. The word of God was the breath of God that brought about things that happened. It was God's active involvement in the world. Isaiah 55, 10 and 11 say something very similar. As the rain and snow come from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire. The word of God is God's active involvement that achieves what he desires. And in the opening words of John's gospel, Jesus is spoken of as the word of God. And later in the New Testament writings, the scriptures are spoken of as the word of God. All scripture is breathed by God and is profitable for instruction, correction, and so on. The word of God is God's message that makes a difference. His creative energy that makes things happen. His truth that guides people into his ways. The word of God stands forever. And so as well as expecting the glory of God to be revealed, we also need to live under the authority of God's word, living under God's authority. You see, the word of God is even older than scripture. Even before these texts were all completed, written down and brought together, God was speaking, God was acting. His word was very active. It started at creation. When God breathed his life, it included the call of the nation Israel, the giving of the law, the message of the prophets, the life of Jesus, the story of the early church. It's all gathered up in God's almighty word. So when we take scripture seriously, we're taking God seriously. We're taking seriously the things that God has said and done as he has been working in this world. And if we're to see his glory revealed, we need to hold on to his word and live under 
his authority. The two go very closely together. It's the big scripture, the picture of scripture that we need to grasp. The God who's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. From whose perspective our lives are such a tiny passing moment. But through whom God wants to be powerfully at work. Our short life needs to be under the authority of God's eternal word. Because you cannot argue with God. So if we're to see the glory of God revealed, we've got to also remember that his word lasts forever. We live under the authority of his word. But then just jumping on to the end of this amazing chapter in Isaiah 40. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And that's where I think this all leads. As we discover and see the glory of God, the great picture of who God is, as we begin to feel it in our worship and in our living, as we stand under the authority of his truth and allow that to make a difference, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength and will rise up with wings like eagles. These are such familiar verses. Many songs have been written from them. The Hebrew language has many words for strength, power or might. It's hard to get to the root of this idea. But I think that the best way is to understand it as literally putting on strength, which is not natural. Putting on strength, which is not natural. The eagle is chosen because it's the greatest of birds, phenomenally powerful. There's a rabbinic saying recorded later than this, but possibly coming from an earlier time, that the eagle is the mightiest among the birds, that the bull is the mightiest amongst domestic animals, that the lion is the mightiest amongst wild animals, and that the human being is the mightiest of them all. Interesting that the book of Revelation has a vision of a throne. And around the throne are the four living creatures that had the faces of an eagle, a bull, a lion, and a human being. Soaring on wings like eagles means taking on the supernatural strength of God. Pictured from the mightiest of all birds. And it could have been the lion as the mightiest of all animals or the uh, bull as the mightiest of domestic animals. But the image here is of the eagle soaring on wings like eagles, taking on the supernatural strength of God. This is more than healthy living, more than physical fitness, more than a good work-life balance. This is the supernatural baptism of strength through the Holy Spirit. Inner resources which do not fail in the demands of daily life. It's not to say that the common sense, healthy lifestyle issues are unimportant. Of course they are. But when the real test comes, this is saying something more. That those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. So finally, how are we going to find our strength 
renewed today. As we see the glory of the Lord in the world today, as we stand under the authority of his word, how are we going to find that our strength is renewed? Elsewhere in Isaiah, in chapter 30, verse 15, we read, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. There are four key words there. This is how you find your strength renewed. In repentance, turning around, truly forgiving, thinking differently, in repentance. In rest, the Jewish tradition of the Sabbath has a lot to teach us. Moments of complete stillness and rest. It's different from not working. It's actually stopping. So much of my time, I'm either working or I'm working on something different to do with home or family or whatever. Where's the real stopping? The true rest? In repentance, in rest, in quietness. Quietening your heart and mind to really focus on Jesus. To gaze on his glory. The glory of the Lord is being revealed. To soak in his love, to hear his truth. The word of the Lord stands forever. Quietness. And in trust, trust. Living under his authority, being confident in him. This is how you will find your strength is renewed today. So we need to let God do that now. We need to sense again tonight his glory. We need to stand under his word. We need to let the Holy Spirit fill your heart with his strength. A supernatural gift of God. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord in repentance, in rest, in quietness, and in trust.